0: Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Our guest this week is Samara Hakim. She is the president of Culture Grit, equipping leaders with the mindset and skills to mitigate bias and integrate culture into business metrics. She has provided strategy and consultation for Fortune 500 and 100 companies and has facilitated in-person and virtual workshops in multiple languages for leaders and professionals in various industries, including for profit, nonprofit, startups, universities, community colleges and schools. Samara was honored with the American Honda Premier Partner Award last year and was honored with the 2018 Women of Excellence Award by Diversity Professional Magazine. She is also a member of Forbes Coaching Council Samara loves to engage people to think beyond their comfort zone and to work across differences. She draws on a range of experiences, including her work across cultures, acculturation in the US, her legal career, her personal experiences and grit. Samara, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, William. What a great, lovely introduction and such a pleasure to be here.
0: It's great to have you on the podcast. And when we first came across each other was when we were both studying intercultural communication in Notre Dame and uh, we connected a couple of years ago. And it's funny how things come around. We were actually planning on designing a virtual training uh, (laughs) workshop. Isn't that correct? How to work in virtual teams.
1: Yes. And now it's so much needed. Yeah, it was great thinking through that. And then of course life happened for both of us.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and that's the I suppose the the gift that COVID has brought us. It's mm-hmm. allowed us to reconnect with all of these people that we may have lost touch with. And today's topic is the importance of measuring inclusion and belonging in the workplace. So I am curious, um, Samara, what is inclusion and belonging firstly?
1: Yes. uh, Inclusion is the practices and actions we do to provide the space, basically physically and psychologically, for everyone to thrive because their differences are shared, acknowledged, respected and leveraged. So it's that space to co-create together. And uh, really, we're working towards a common goal, whatever that might be in the context we're in. So that's, uh, and, and if you think about belonging, it's basically the outcome of that. So we need the right mindset and the right skills and behaviors to work across our differences, whether they are visible, invisible, inherent, acquired, and uh, part of the, the importance that comes uh, with doing that work is also uh, bringing in culture intelligence, which is something that I utilize. It's been uh, defined and reiterated from 2003 until uh, the present by many professors, uh, Su Nang, uh, Lynn Van Dyne, and Professor Christopher Early as well. And it's the capability to function effectively in culturally diverse contexts. So for the work that we do at CultureGrid, we think of it as inclusion and in action. It's the mindset, the behaviors, to build trust and to work with someone who is different. And with culture being around us, everybody around us pretty much now thinks, communicates differently than us. Hopefully, we are looking also at people that look differently than us and make decisions differently than us. And so belonging, when we think about it, uh, is the outcome of fostering that inclusion, building, developing the culture intelligence in an organization or in a team, and each person then is feeling that their uniqueness is fully acknowledged and realized. They can feel it, but they can also share it.
0: And yeah. so, so that brings me to the measurement piece. Uh, how how do you how do you measure that? Because that seems to me very intangible. So you must have some method to record this or to measure it.
1: Yeah, there there are many measurement uh, ways across. Uh, you know, you could look at measuring the perception of inclusion. Uh, the key thing is you don't want to be measuring just to measure. You want to measure in relation to other objectives that the organization has. So we can definitely dive uh, deeper into you know how that would really look like maybe in a project. But the reason why it's important to measure it is because how else are you going to know if you're improving, if you're making any progress? Unfortunately, many people measure diversity. Uh, which is you know that representation the differences you know we look at whether whether it's demographics or uh you know ethnicities race lgbtq whatever the categories that every organization is looking at but we miss the point of measuring the behaviors that are happening and you know through various assessments we can see how we're optimizing our talent we can see how people are feeling uh, separate from engagement surveys Really, what what do they see their role? Are they empowered? Uh, Is there openness and sharing uh, overall? So there are many constructs within inclusion that we can measure and connect them to any improvements also on business outcomes uh, as people are putting in the work to develop their inclusion.
0: Yeah, it seems like there seems to be a very strategic purpose uh, for this. And that makes me wonder then, what happens if a business doesn't foster you know uh, inclusion and belonging
1: yeah that's um, unfortunately majority of businesses have not been doing it uh, well as you know and and i know that you do a lot of coaching as well and you you see uh, the impact of people feeling like they don't belong or maybe can't lead so i'm i'm curious to hear more on that from you as well after i share with you we're really we're surrounded by difference and differences can get in the way of moving things forward uh let's say towards innovation and performance or even just peace and harmony uh, and these same differences though if we are able to leverage them they can help us outperform uh, as an organization and outperform the competition As you know, businesses are usually concerned with measurements and outcomes and cultural intelligence is a framework that can be used to predict outcomes that are essential to the success of an organization or a business uh, and its impact. So, you know, we think different sectors as well here. So think about negotiation, leadership effectiveness, decision-making. So it facilitates that accountability for those organizations who are interested in that. We know that just having a whole bunch of people who are different, you know, a diverse workforce is not going to automatically lead us to be an inclusive and equitable organization. Groupthink is quite pervasive, which interferes with people feeling like they belong. You might feel like you can't even really be yourself to, 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 uh, and you just have to uh, to be somebody else that someone is saying that that's who's going to succeed here. So using the tools to get us to the kind of organization that we want to be through various assessments, through gathering data in a way um, and mitigating bias alongside that is very important. So not just looking at cultural intelligence and uh, behaviors, but there's a larger context. We need to recognize power dynamics and, and historical systems that are in place as well. So uh, to answer more directly, if we don't foster belonging, it's like uh, the analogy is like building a machine without the connectors, without the screws. The parts are there. It's not clear how they connect to the overall structure and uh, or, or functionality or operation of the machine. Employees need to know the importance of the role that they play in making the machine work. And last, they need to feel that, they need to share their value within the organization's context so they can perform. And the best part about all of this is that you can find so many commonalities that surface from bringing people together to work uh, for everyone's success. Once everybody feels like they, they can be heard and they can truly be who they need to be at work.
0: And I think that's been a common theme, you know, um, on the podcast is really allowing people's voices to be heard. And it's right. about giving them a platform of that inclusion, isn't it?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and and for me, it's 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 we work in a lot of similar topics. So I know, you know, um, we work, you know, in the area of culture and team collaboration. And you you work more in the terms of the, the area of women and leadership and uh, diversity in the workplace. Um, and we have a, a lot of commonality. And often when we were speaking here uh, before the, the the podcast, it's really how that culture and intelligence plays a crucial part of that and then you mentioned you know bias you know is yes. well how do we mitigate against that so part of it is is personal responsibility i would imagine and then I, I suppose it's up for the organization then to have sort of to structure our framework to foster that so could you tell me a little bit more about how we might mitigate bias then in the business
1: yeah, uh, like you said, yes, definitely on an individual level. Uh, first of all, recognizing that we have them and uh, and and we are we all have biases. It's just a matter of what they are. Uh, but uh, the framework is important from an organizational standpoint because it, bias kind of creeps in uh, in our processes and all our decision making. So uh, beyond training, uh, which traditionally that has been the case where people go take a workshop and uh, receive training beyond that it's important that as a collective group we are looking and reflecting and able to ask ourselves why why we look at things uh, a certain way why we're making these decisions are we able to articulate things so clearly uh, and and so well can i say the reasons in a way where i can uh, give, you know, one, two, three, that's why we're making our decision. There are obviously many, many kinds of biases uh, that come looking also at historical perceptions uh, that we may have had of certain groups of people, uh, stereotypes uh, as well in our uh, communication and presentations, how these uh, micro inequities and microaggressions, aggressions, uh, little comments and snubs and slights. Uh, things that happen. So all of these come into play. And are we having the conversations about them? Do we have a way where we are able to respond to them, but in a way where we're not blaming uh, one another, truly seeking to understand where is this coming from when someone uh, says something and finding the humanity in the other person overall, the whole person, not just that one moment. uh, Yeah. Might so that involves personal responsibility, but also a lot of uh, uh, trust building along the way. And that's where when we do put into place uh, is a general attitude. Towards collaboration, cooperation, uh, transparency, trust building. When that when that's palpable, when you can feel it and touch it, basically, I'm a lot more likely to feel that I can come forth with a mistake that I can that we can share or we can tackle it also a lot more efficiently because we've built the rapport and the relationships way before. So it starts. It's a very uh, you know wraparound approach to mitigating bias.
0: I'm fascinated by the whole area of cultural intelligence and uh, to be honest what you've spoken about in the last few minutes i have lots of questions if i'm honest because i if i was a listener listening into this show i would be interested in well you're you're talking about how bias creeps into the workplace what might be some of the examples you know that where bias might happen in the workplace Unconsciously, I know. I'll, sometimes, you know, and uh, clearly in, in it is it's unconscious. You know, mm-hmm. so what are the examples in the workplace that you know unconscious bias might might play out? Oh,
1: there's uh, okay. So I'll start with at least if we look at uh hiring, for example, where yeah. we are, uh, we have the tendency. To hire people who remind us of ourselves, who look mm-hmm. like us, who uh, in leadership and promotion, for example, past hiring, looking at who's being promoted, what who are we rewarding, what behaviors, what do we celebrate? Actually, what stories are we telling, and what stories are we not telling? Those are all indicators. Uh, we you start finding this groupthink that where uh, that's a kind of bias, where. If you don't talk like us and if you don't say things in a certain way, if you don't portray a certain style of leadership as well, a very particular one, then you're not going to be advancing in the organization. Other ways that we see this, even when approaching vendors, uh, reaching out to partnerships within the community, uh, also uh, our thinking of who our customers, we might be very narrow-minded around it and uh because of the bias that we might have about a certain group of people or how their their behavior is as a consumer um yeah this this one is a topic by itself william
0: yeah so uh,
1: i'm curious to see if you've
0: uh,
1: you know you've dealt with that in any way or you know seen yeah,
0: any people i i've seen it like i've been involved in companies where especially culture there's the cultural bias that they're very much aware of you know mm-hmm. and in terms of their recruitment and in terms of you know integrating people from different backgrounds or different um, nationalities or or whatever that you've mentioned before into the workplace and it's really has that diversity lens on that and it's really about you know um, having conversations sharing insights sharing cultural insights and sharing why certain people would value for example a celebration so we were talking about you know different uh, festivities there uh, beforehand Um, Mm -hmm. and there's one organization that for me highlights um, this whole notion of cultural sensitivity that we need to be mindful of the unconscious bias and that's a um, an organization called Protect Accent. So we, it's a bit like we hire people with the same type of accent as <laughs> So it's not just even look like us, you know. Um, and for me, I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it because sometimes that has to do with social class as well, doesn't it? That's you know, right. uh, someone's accent, you know, and are, do we have a bias because of that? So that for me is very fascinating how we can uncover these. And I'm glad you brought that
1: up, actually, because... Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, and being in the uh, I didn't uh, grow up in the US. Right. So uh, yeah. coming into a space where most people do not have this uh, accent that I have, uh, while in my perception, we all speak with an accent. Right. But it's really interesting because my identity, especially, you know, you were telling me how uh, you were asking me how bias might come in yes, definitely stress causes people as well to, you know, for bias to surface. Unfortunately, people are more readily going to rely on what they're used to. And coming in, uh, doing this work in this field, and especially at this time, my identity has been very interesting because um, while, uh, you know, I may understand what it means, uh, what it feels to be excluded or marginalized, I am not somebody who would ever know uh, what it feels like to be a black person uh, mm. in the United States, right? Yeah. So, But but implicitly, because I didn't grow up here because of how I am and how I look, it's been an interesting thing to, to perceive that uh, it, it gives implicit trust and legitimacy and credibility all of a sudden when I'm talking about this work. And so I'm very adamant about how I share this. I, I tread this very carefully. It's mm. a heavy responsibility, right? Because I will never be able to uh, articulate fully while I facilitate the conversations. I raise awareness about inclusion and equity. Uh, it's the experiences have to be authentic sharing. And accents play such a big role in credibility in the field. Wherever, uh, you know, you might present yourself all of a sudden, uh, you know, the the questions around your language proficiency and aptitudes around English uh, become, (laughs) become questions. So tying accent to identity, credibility, your success in the workplace, all of these things are examples of how bias surfaces for sure.
0: And sometimes it's a positive bias. I know for myself, when I talk to Mm -hmm. certain clients, they love my Irish accent or more specifically my, my Galway accent. I'm from the West of Ireland. And for me, sometimes that has a positive bias towards me. Um, And then obviously you're talking about the other side, which is a negative bias. You know, But and that's also
1: where, in my field now that I'm working, so I used to practice law. Obviously, the perception of an accent was a bit different. Now it's, all, oh, of course, yes, you speak with an accent. You must care for these issues. You must know everything about them. And yeah. that's, that, that is not the reason why I do this work. And yeah, definitely by itself, there's a lot more uh, knowledge than having an accent.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and, and you mentioned, uh, and we talked about cultural sensitivity, because... And I'm going to say something a bit controversial now, and these are not my views, right? I want to be explicit Mm -hmm. about that. But when people hear uh, Mm microaggressions, they might think, oh, that's PC gone mad, being too politically correct, okay? And I think that's where cultural intelligence really shows how important it is in terms of businesses and you know um your your community if you, if you want to call it that uh, what are you, what would you say to someone who readily dismisses microaggressions or culture insensitivities?
1: Yeah, uh, you know there's always this, and I've talked about this often, you know, that disconnect between the intention and the impact. Uh, so a lot of times we, we cannot assume the impact that something might have on someone, that's a bit arrogant, right? To, to say, uh, well, you know, that shouldn't hurt you too much. Uh, you're making such a big deal out of it. We don't know because people come with all these experiences and uh, a what might seem very micro and little, that kind of interpersonal interaction might be just, you know, the one number 1,750 of many other things that have come before it. Yeah. So, uh uh, and also, what kind of relationships do you want to have with people? That's what I would say. What kind of person, what kind of reputation, what kind of legacy would you like to have? If you're somebody who's basically saying, okay, I, I, I'm not interested in having someone talk about me as a, an empathetic person, as someone who brought others in, that then, of course, you're not motivated and to care for this uh, but if, if you're saying, no, I want to make sure those around me, there's a friendly space for everyone. Everyone feels safe and welcome. That psychological safety, we kind of started with that, that inclusion, the physical and psychological safety, right? The space is really important. Well, that means listening and, and, and acknowledging the impact that this has on anyone. Uh, and you might not fully understand it, and that's okay. That's Okay. Uh, as long as you're you're just recognizing, you know, I don't get it all the way, but I can see how you would feel that way. And now, and thank you for for explaining it to me. But you have to seek it. You have to seek that understanding, at least.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me of um, a comment uh, when I was studying in the London School of Economics. And uh, this professor, uh, Shapiro Coyle was her name. And she said... You know, culture is about recognizing differences, not making differences. And I thought that was a really useful way to Mm -hmm. look at culture.
1: I like it. Yeah, definitely acknowledging the differences, but also finding the commonalities. In many conversations where someone might think something is uh, too... You know, oh, treading on something or politically correct, and and I wonder, politically correct become a negative word. That's the big question we have. But that's yeah. <laughs> let's have that another conversation. Uh, we find that in these conversations, people have so many things that they uh, end up sharing in common. So while it's important to recognize the differences and acknowledge them, still finding out what we have so much in common. Like our feelings uh, that we might have, it might not be the same situation, but the feelings that surface are the same. That perspective taking as well, trying to think in the way that the other person is thinking, understanding why they thought what they thought or made the decision the way they did
0: it. Yes, And and that's where there's certain initiatives that are actually carrying real weight now in the workplace. And there's some initiatives like mentoring, which is your typical mentoring when, you know, people who, who... You know, there mightn't be too many people um, that you can identify with in senior positions, you know, um, and they will mentor you or other people will be your champion in the workplace and be a mentor. And then you have this whole notion of reverse mentoring, which is really fascinating that you're really educating someone else, usually someone more senior, to Mm -hmm. give them different insights. So it's really about having that learning culture in the workplace, isn't it?
1: Yes, and that's uh, you know I remember this about you when we met. Uh, I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because it's been many years, that you're you you said you're a lifelong learner, Mm. and that always stayed with me. Uh, And definitely, you know, there there's no there's no price tag for that to just be the person who wants to learn. So I'm. Always fascinated with uh, even now hearing you and just like seeking, seeking to learn. I'm very humbled by you trying to do that, and there's so much that you're bringing in already. So thanks so much for all these lovely examples.
0: Oh yeah, and you know that's the beauty about the podcast because this is all about making a difference in the workplace. And for me, I'm I'm quite curious at listen. How do we do something differently? You know, instead of doing the same thing over and over again, how would we do something different to make? my workplace better or the world a better place you know and and you know that will bring me on to what's going on in the U.S. at the moment um you know uh, yeah I I don't really don't know where to start because uh, Trump has had a massive impact in terms of polarization Mm -hmm. and you know um everything that's going on you know can can you tell me a little bit more about that what what are your thoughts and insights on that you're based in san diego now and you're you're you've got your finger on the pulse because all like uh, this is the whole thing about cultural intelligence then is that i can only uh make an assumption based on what i'm hearing in the news reading in the new york times or the guardian or the irish times uh or on twitter you know um i'm i'm informing my opinion but you know what what are your lived experiences if you want to call that or what are your well, insights for,
1: for one i will i'll concentrate on what's surfaced around the work that i'm doing specifically right so obviously the lines have been blurred between business and uh politics and and government right so today by the way is election day and yes yeah. as we are recording this right and uh The discourse around racism, equity, hate, you know, that's been very pronounced. And especially in light of the pandemic, where economic inequities have become a lot more visible. So like I said, when people are stressed, uh, bias takes over more readily in many decision making. So this is why this work is so important uh, right now. The, the real work is not just a workshop or a webinar here and there. You know, uh, in, in our projects, we, do, uh, uh, we sit alongside leaders and stakeholders so that we are able to uh, be there and, and assist them as they integrate into their role and their teams. Uh, inclusion and inclusive practices and equity. But rather, uh, you know, so that integrating to daily practices of the individual and the organization, not just having this one department or division own it or control it or implement it and just be held accountable to it. So what we're seeing now is, uh, and in the U.S. context, if you know, these issues are longstanding diversity and inclusion equity rooted very much in historical and structural practices and people are challenging that as well. There's a, the attitudes towards trainings have been really challenging in light of an executive order for example, that was just signed. Um, And definitely racial justice is on the minds of clients. And it's being now discussed a lot more clearly and loudly. If you look at job postings for directors and managers for diversity and inclusion, it's about a 30% increase from, if I'm not wrong, from the last year. Wow. Okay. Yes. So lots of focus on equity and belonging, uh, the social responsibility that's being expected of companies, I had facilitated uh, anti-racism conversations in the past, but this year the demand was a lot higher after the killing of George Floyd. And also because of the reaction that came publicly from uh, government officials and various Mm. people that people looked up to and and expected them to say different things. And with remote work also, I'm doing, you know, uh, work with organizations to become more inclusive in that context. Yeah. But like I said, also being having my identity has been really interesting trying to do this work. I I make sure to share and pass on my platforms to others who identify with that identity being uh, a, a Black person in America so that they can yeah. speak with their experiences authentically. We're being more mindful of that purposeful inclusion. Uh, many leaders are really saying this. And so there's, a, there's been a lot to reckon with uh, for all of us here, for sure. And the journey definitely is ongoing. Uh, um, this is, I, I think this is way past 2020 uh, yeah. in terms of what we're going to be seeing around this. Yeah.
0: It seems like you're going to be very busy for the next five years or so, or the, the next four have, years anyways. Uh, I hope pres-
1: so, and that it's yeah, really yeah. purposeful and it's not just now as the brouhaha is happening and that kind of excitement uh, because yeah sometimes you know how it is it 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 flares up and then everything dies down after and no this is really this is the work is a lifetime work that's what I should be doing
0: and and I think there's a lot of healing to happen in the United States you know I think the cultural tensions were always there but there seems to there's so many flashpoints now, and I, I think social media is a part of that because we've moved away from dialogue and debate to this pylon of you know, you know, social bullying or whatever, and, and whether you're on the left side of things or the right side of things, there's no kind of real moderate discussions to educate each other on why you know, certain values are important to me. And, you know, I do think the work that you're doing in terms of inclusion and belonging will just give a little bit more tolerance, you know, uh, in terms of that. What are your thoughts in terms of dialogue between even
1: neighbours? Actually, I've uh, been part of these kinds of conversations, even on a community level. And uh, you're right, it's really important that we... Remember, it's inclusion for everybody uh, as well. So having the dialogue, having the conversations and so and sitting there and tweet, tweeting it and texting it and putting it on various platforms like this, you know, after 10, 15 messages for you to truly understand what's going on with someone. Uh, it's priceless to truly engage, share of our identities and ourselves. This is the stuff that's my favorite to see in the work, the humanity uh that that comes when when people really hold each other dear it's it's so heartwarming uh to see and and i just i you know as much as i love the data there's no substitute to that
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah you must have some memorable moments that we'll touch upon and and for me you mentioned two key things because i think some people feel hard done by. Okay, people who had the the status quo, or the you know the majority of the status before, um, and they feel that they're treated inequally. But I think people should recognise the difference between inequity, you know, and being you know inequality. So, can you, for our listeners, would you be best able to describe what's the difference between equity and equality?
1: Yeah, basically, uh, at equality, it's kind of you're you're focused on everybody receives the same thing, basically, yeah. uh, and you're expected from wherever you are to just move forward with that with yeah. whatever those same exact tools that everybody got, the same resources, yeah. the same knowledge, the same information. But what we inevitably, what we find out is that because you didn't meet people where they needed to be met, uh, they may have needed additional resources or different kind of resources. The outcomes, you start seeing disparities in the outcomes. And you're thinking, well, I gave them, it's all equal. We did the same thing for everybody. So equity is exactly kind of, This idea that you you meet people where they are and the resources that they need, be it information, be it an additional mentorship, being even in the way the information is being presented to them and the resources are given to them. And so that uh, the rest of it, obviously, is based on their own efforts and energy to take themselves, uh, to move themselves forward. But you're not mindful just of... The, uh, you're, you're not so hung up on the equal outcomes, but you're, you're basically recognizing that you don't want any kind of identity to be uh, anybody's predictor for success or yeah. that anyone's success is uh, predicated on that identity. Uh, and, and so you're recognizing that each person, wherever they are, you, are, uh, you adapt uh, resources, you adapt information, you adapt messages, so, so they have what they need so that they can employ their own efforts, their own powers, really, uh, to move their own uh, path forward and, and reach the success that they want. And what is uh, interesting about equity, there's often this idea, well, is it really about outcomes or is it really more about, you know, the, the inputs? It's all of it. It's It's, you know, you're doing the inputs correctly and accurately so that the outcomes... Uh, and, and when you look at people, you know, economically and their leadership potential and their advancement in society and what they are able to do with their families as a whole, the outcomes are going to be a lot better because you've recognized you've met them where they needed to be met.
0: And how I've often... Uh yeah it does make sense because how I've often you know tried to simplify it for my myself and maybe for for others is you, you talked about communications and employing those resources it's really about having that positive discrimination that so you're creating an even playing field for everybody because that's basically what it's at some people have an advantage through their identity which they might't be aware of but it's there you know and that's really that's what right. it is is isn't it?
1: That's right.
0: So, so for me, then you, you, you talked about, you know, certain memorable moments, right? But before we go into the memorable moments, what I want to ask you uh, is, you've been invited into workplaces now because of different um, tensions or different needs that are there. Can you give me examples where people might have got it wrong? So we talked about microaggressions there. What are the kind of things where you just did a face, and you went, I can't believe that person took this action or said that thing. What might be those examples be? Because the reason I ask you this is, is not to put you on the spot. It's really to give people an insight to say, actually, they might be doing it themselves in the workplace. And just to give yeah. them that kind of, the, that, that, that highlight.
1: Uh, Well, a lot of times it's uh, the the times where people have done something wrong. It's usually with an interaction with someone. So uh, they uh, let's say even as simple as giving feedback, right? The assumption that you give feedback the same way to everybody. Mm. So it's been interesting. Some of my favorite memorable moments is where somebody has recognized that, oh, that that whole course I took about how to give constructive feedback does not apply to everyone. And, uh, you know, things where people perhaps escalated in their expression of their emotions and uh, people, you know, around them did not understand. So a leader, for example, that wasn't understood, that's just, you know, they're perceived as aggressive when they're really just passionate, but they express themselves like this on everything, happy things and miserable things and angry things and exciting things. And so a lot of that, that judgment, other things that I've seen is that uh, somebody would do something wrong one time and that's just the horn effect, the halo effect, if you're familiar with that and bias, it stays forever and ever. That person could never do anything right after. And so it, yeah. it festers in the organization. Other uh, things that people have done wrong is those one-off workshops Where they think that if they do two hours of somebody coming in, paying like a consultant like me or a facilitator coming in. Yep, we're good. We are. We accomplished, uh, you know, transformation in two hours. So the, the, the whole concept of transformation has been really very interesting to observe of what people consider that. Yes. Where, uh, what can I tell you, William? The list. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it a long on. list. Yeah, and, turnover, and, losing people.
0: <laughs> and, and we, 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 both of us have had this experience where it's a tick box exercise, and uh, and we both <laughs> have this conversation where we've turned down work, knowing yes. that it's superficial, that we know that you know people aren't really interested in, in the work that we do. This that, that transformative work to really make a difference in, in the workplace which is mm-hmm. which is why we get on uh, so well so tell me about some of the memorable moments the moments where you've you know you you felt you really made a difference and and you know you mentioned it earlier on it's not sometimes about the metrics it is about those that humanity at work where you've made a difference
1: yeah uh so it my favorite, uh, and I, I do recognize that the metrics are important. And obviously, I love working with data because I see it as an entry point, a conversation starter. Many leaders, you know, are quite factual in their approach, and they look, at, and it's very helpful as well for gathering opinions and voices that we may not have heard before. So, in my interest in having voices heard and gathering as much information from voices that from people that may not have been on the radar. Right. yeah and in a robust way yes definitely love the data that's always memorable when i see what what the results of that you know changes in hiring that we see even processes being improved external partnerships optimized but i love also uh how emotions are just inevitable in, in on these topics even both of us now as we're chatting uh you know people can't see us but uh, you know uh, the, just the, it's just there the 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 passion that people have fundamentally this is about each person as a human being and, mm. and their uh, and and that being so those emails after a workshop or a project where I see someone saying like wow I'd never like there's been so many things I've suppressed before and thank you for helping me surface this part of my identity and, uh, you know things where they come out and share what they've never shared before with their colleagues. And I've been frankly impressed at how this is, can still be done consistently, even in a virtual and, and remote uh, kind of context. Uh, seeing someone like I told you about the feedback uh, that you don't just give feedback uh, uniformly. Uh, and frankly, so many people just don't know the how behind this, how do I do this? And And they might approach it with skepticism approach the whole subject of inclusion with skepticism because they're not sure of how to do it well, or also because of the reactions that they've seen, or maybe they've observed this being done ineffectively. But once you give them that acknowledgement and legitimacy for their feelings, right? uh, if, If you facilitate the conversation so well that they feel that the person could accept it. They can even hear the messages of others and how it's being done. And they recognize what they gave up, but also what they have given in, into this. You know, they've, they've, they've put in the work for others to also feel heard around them. It's really such a beautiful thing to see uh, people truly culturally engaged. Uh, my uh, impression of this work is that you can't beat people with this. It will backfire. Humiliation and shaming will backfire. And Uh, really, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's just these anecdotes and, and somebody contacting me a year later sometimes and saying, oh my goodness, we had that one conversation and this is coming back to me. How have you been? Thank you so much. I just brought in what I learned. This kind of stuff is my favorite.
0: I have many similar experiences. That's such a good feeling. It's I so am rewarding. not surprised. <laughs> it's so rewarding, uh, and it's it's funny when you're having a bad day. I go into this folder which I call Project Wellbeing, and <laughs> I go back to these emails, and they just give me yes. such a lift, you know. And I, I'm sure you're the same. You've you, managed. No,
1: I wish I were. I need to get organized about this. I have some here and there, but I need. I like this folder idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so it I. I've won I've won um, I've actually have three different I've two places online that I keep them one is my email you know or sometimes it's a screenshot so I'll save them in a a folder especially if it's a a LinkedIn post or Twitter post Um, and then I have in my office a big filing cabinet and I have one mm-hmm. folder dedicated to little cards that I've received or little letters that I've, you know, little notes that people have uh, given me over the years. And, you know, it, it really does lift the spirits on a on a bad day. So, um, And
1: I'm sure it's growing by the day.
0: <laughs> I'm oh, lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky. Yeah, it, it, it has. It has. And we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So before we leave our listeners here in terms of those insights on inclusion and belonging, and the importance of measuring them. And we also talked about culture and intelligence. What are the the key takeaway points that people should remember from this podcast, really to make that difference in the workplace?
1: Yeah, so basically four things come to mind. Uh, When when you find yourself making a decision back to what we talked about with bias uh, or even having a thought about someone, uh, ask yourself why you know, why did I have that thought? Are you able to articulate the reasons clearly? If not, the odds are high that this is a biased thought and you need to mitigate the damage that might uh, come from acting on it. The second one I would say is gauge your advantage. Uh, reflect on your power and your status, your advantages within a situation, which by the way, we all have those depending on the context and we can employ these advantages that we have, share with others, share our platforms with others who may not have had access to a similar platform. It's kind of, you know, that is a piece of equity there. Bring others along into our circles. And even with that, we can influence those within our own uh, circles. So each one of us can play a role in redistributing power and fostering inclusion around us. And we inevitably, all of us, we live in intersecting circles of identity. So while we touched on this, I wanna make sure that we're recognizing we're outside the intersection sometimes where we don't really fit with our own identity groups or even those that have been assigned to us. And we are within the intersection Um, other times representative of that group quite well. So we're negotiating our identities and oftentimes we think it's our challenges that might carry us through, but actually our advantages also give us the grit to go on. So with those two things keeping in mind, um, it's important that we recognize, especially as leaders, that uh, you may not know the answer. And, but you can still seek it purposefully. so listen to those around us. Uh, listen to those that we are trying to support actually and the way they want to be supported not assuming their needs, uh, not you know uh, assuming also that they're always victims about it you know seeing the power in them asking and asking again and listening very closely and data is great that's why I say measuring is so important. Uh, You know, you could do this through natural language processing, which is something that we do, pulsing, you know, with surveys, uh, focus groups, all sorts of ways of collecting those voices, but also truly having these necessary conversations, the difficult conversations, the dialogue that you, you know, brought up earlier, whether it's in a workplace or even as a community. And then the final thing, you know, if we aggregate all of these, you know, around thinking and attitude and being purposeful, put in the work. So many times people think it's just, you know, I I go, I learned a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the good news is that this does not even require that much time beyond the learning, right, of sitting maybe through a workshop or, or being purposeful about where you get your knowledge from. It's just becoming a habit every day doing my daily role and function. Uh, in a different way in a more inclusive way approaching my work with a new mindset truly understanding work styles around me those uh, people what what motivates them what uh, what is the depth of their experiences that's the way that you can integrate the culture and inclusion into everything that you're doing every day
0: thank you so much for shining a spotlight on where people should put their focus, especially in terms of inclusion, belonging and cultural and intelligence. I really appreciate that. And Samara, if people were to get in contact with you, and I know you, you have an offer then to our listeners here, how might they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, well, uh, my website uh, for the company is culturegrit.com. Uh, there's no E after the R for uh, culture. And also at samara@culturegrid.com at uh, happy to answer any emails or info, if you forget uh, my name, info at culturegrid.com. And uh, definitely, if uh, you reach out to us uh, through the end of uh, February 2021, uh, we'd love to give a complimentary 90-minute consultation and talk about your needs, whether be it assessments, be, co- be it conversations, whatever, to move your uh, strategy forward to be more inclusive.
0: Samara, thank you so much for being a guest on the the podcast today. I really enjoyed catching up with you again. It's always uh, a pleasure. and I want, yeah, thank you so much. And I want to thank the listeners as well uh, for for listening in. Okay, That's it for this week.
1: Thank you, William.
0: That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corliss, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie yellowwood your external learning and development partner provide your executive coaching facilitation and training take a different path to success with your career leadership team and organization